can find God. Now, if you came here tonight and you don't know anything about Jesus, you're the most privileged person in this world. You got an opportunity to come into a sanctuary in the presence of the greatest God that was ever known to humanity. And you can feel his spirit and you can feel his truth. And the word of God will be backed up by the spirit. And tonight I'm going to try to preach to you. And by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, my prayer is that God will touch you somewhere along the message. And you will come to an altar of repentance. If you're a backslider, you'll come back to God. And if you've got something hid in your heart, you're going to find it tonight. I want to tell you something. A lot of times we talk about other churches of believing in once saved, always saved. And we get to believe in once the Holy Ghost, always the Holy Ghost. We believe because we got the Holy Ghost in 1940 that uh, we don't have to worry anymore. But I want to tell you something tonight. Whichever way a tree falls is the way it's going to lay. Whichever way you meet God, either through death or through him coming in the clouds, is the way you're going to be judged. And if Paul has to repent daily, so should we. But it's a lot of us in the church a lot of times that has things against a brother or sister that we have learned to be an artist of covering it up. And we're hiding it down into our heart. And we get to where we can talk to them and speak to them. And we think because we can hug their neck, but we have never forgiven them in our heart that we're all right with God because we can feel his spirit move upon us. But I'm going to show you tonight that God's spirit will move on you if you've got sin in your life. I'm going to use two, four characters tonight. I'm going to introduce them to you. Two of them I've preached on, but I felt led tonight to use these characters. And you stay with me, and you pray for me. And when you see me stumbling around, you get busy to calling on God, because this preacher can't preach unless God's touching it. I don't have no message to give you out of a book. I don't have no message that I've got memorized. The only thing I can do when I step in the pulpit is I have to have God to lead me. And it's your job to be praying, Lord, you keep hammering at that preacher. You put the word through him because it's not what I say, but it's what, what the Spirit of God does through me and brings this word alive and it touches your heart. We got too many preachers filling the pulpits today. They have got to be orators. They have got to be great speakers. And they know when to move the crowd. They know when to raise you up and let you down. They have learned to watch the human race. And that's the way they deliver the message. We got people that learn how to sing. And they know when to raise their hand and when they get the audience to respond. But I want to tell you something tonight. The only way you'll get the Spirit of God to move upon you, you got to have a clean life and worship Him in spirit and truth. This thing's not figured out on no paper. It's not laid out in no blueprint by man. But this thing came into reality through death at Calvary. And Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty, is the one that brings the Spirit down and makes this church alive.
That's not my message. I'm just warming up here. I'm not going to be in a hurry tonight. I'm going to wait on God. But I want to tell you something. I am sick and tired of people preaching these here petticoat messages. I believe it's time that we stood up and tut our backbone like a saw log. It's time we declared the whole truth without fear or favor to devil or to man. And I have to watch myself tonight because I'm wanting to preach a message awful bad on Babylon. I brought that all leading, but the Lord directed me tonight to reach out another direction. And I'm going that way. But I've been all my mind's been on all day about that harlot church and all the destruction she's done to humanity and how this world lays asleep and don't understand one bit of it. If you knew all there was to know about it, you would run to the altars and beg for mercy. But I want to say before I start, I appreciate me and the wife of all the food that you have brought us. We appreciate of all the hospitality you've shown us and the love. Appreciate this church and its spirit that we have the liberty to worship and preach in. Not every church you go to that you have the liberty to preach. A lot of churches you go to, you got to work it out for our days before you can ever get the spirit to fall. You're a privileged person to have a pastor that will lean to the leading of the spirit. And he will hold on to the horns of the altar till he brings it down in your midst. One that will set up and preach to you till he gets you loose enough that the power of God will fall. I'm telling you something. They're far in between. I've been to a lot of churches. There's more dead ones than there is alive ones. If you're in a dead church, you're going to die. The only way you're going to live is you're going to come alive by the Spirit of God. I don't care what the world says, but this church is going out of here shouting. It came in in one and it's going out in one. You need to think it's going to flop around here and just wobble around and slowly take off. Whenever he splits those eastern skies and that angel gives that shout from heaven, you need to tell me that I'm not going to shout. You need to tell me that his children are not going to rejoice. You need to tell me that we're not going to look for our king. You need to tell me that I'm not going to feel my feet when they leave this earth, that I ain't going to know that I'm in the ark of safety forever. You're talking about something to be happy about. Just to know I'm leaving this world. And I'm going right on through that sky. I'm not even wiggling a finger. I'm not even batting an eyelash. Here the angels are. Here all the church is. And here we are going out of here in a great mass with our eyes on Jesus. And we know who our man, who our keeper is. He said, my sheep know my voice. And another they'll not follow. We know who our God is. And one we'll not follow. We had our eyes on him in this world. And one day we'll see him as he is. When corruption will put on incorruption. And mortal will put on immortality. And he'll yank us out of these graves and he'll cast us out from this world and take us to be with him. Oh, I'll tell you, they'll shout at football games. 
Get out in the floor and water like a bunch of hogs. Grown men run around with radio in each ear. Crawl up and down. Talking about men 30 and 40 years old. Then you'll see them how men, I've seen men 70 and 80, have on a purple coat, white pair of breeches, big loud tie, and a radio trying to do the bongo or something to some rock music. You think this world ain't fouled up and they ain't crazy. We know what we're doing. We got the word to back up what we're doing. We're not anybody think we're crazy. But I won't tell you something. Anybody can't shout because they've been delivered from the pits of hell. That's something to shout about. I won't tell you tonight. Like he said, two minutes in hell and this whole world would shout. I'm glad tonight that he allowed me to come into his house one more time and feel his spirit move up and down my spine that I might rejoice with him. Yes, sir. The church is not dead. And I'm going to tell you something else. We may not be in it, but he's coming after one. Don't you worry. And I'm going to tell you something else. I believe I'm going to see it in its fullness. You can believe what you want to, but I told a wife for the last four or five years, brother, and I preached it. I believe I'm going to see in the near future, and it could start tonight. I'm going to see the time when he step out of the aisles and the blind eyes will be healed. I'm going to see the devils come out of humans. I'm going to see the five-fold ministry back in its operation. I'm going to see the gifts operating in the church, and I'm going to see this church in all her power and glory when she gets ready to leave out of here, and there ain't no devil, there ain't no false church ever going to overcome it because it is the greatest church on earth and the gates of hell can't prevail against it and one day whenever he takes it out of here it will overshadow any man-made church in this world he said uh, five-fold ministry for perfecting the saints no other ministry can take that place he put the gifts and the operation in the church, not out in the world. The Harvard church and her daughters don't have the gifts of God. They belong to us. They claim they've got them, but they don't have them. Just ain't time for God's timetable to come around just yet. He's got this thing laid out just exactly like he wants it to run. You may care what's happening in this world. I don't care what's happening. The old devil's church, he's got it all timed right here in this word. And whenever he gets ready to act, he'll act. And when he gets ready to do what he wants to do, he'll do it because I believe the heavens still rule. I'm going to preach tonight. Y'all stand with me. Let's turn to first book of Kings. And let's go to the uh, 21st chapter in the 19th verse. And we're going to read to the 20th. Helicomanasiante. Thank you, Jesus. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Namath, 
shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you tonight, dear Lord God, that you'd anoint your word. Heavenly Father, it might deliver the message, Heavenly King. Dear Lord God, that we might reach somebody tonight, Heavenly Father. Backslider, Lord God. One is lukewarm. One is lost and undone without you, Lord God, that your spirit might move. Heavenly Father, your word might come alive. We'll give you the honor and the glory. Ask you to bind any evil force that would hinder the move of thy spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. My thought going to be, I have found thee, O thy enemy. And tonight you're either his enemy or you're his friend. And that I don't know what where each one of you stand. But you're one or the other. And tonight he's going to find you where you're at. And I don't care what you've got in your heart, you may hide it from the preacher. And you may hide it from the saints of God. You may hide it from your mother or your daddy. But there's one in heaven looking down that knows every thought you're having right now. There's an unseen handwriting in the chronicles of heaven of your diary. It's a writing across there every bad thought that you had this day. You needn't to think because you're going along in this world just to living and doing and living happy that everything's all right. If you hadn't repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost, everything ain't all right. The only way it'll be all right with you is when you're born in the kingdom of God and got your name written in the greatest book that was ever written and that's a lamb book of life yes sir first character tonight I'd like to introduce you to is Ahab most vile king that ever reigned over Israel one that sat upon the throne of Israel like a big toad one that had armies at his command one that had servants that he could just snap his finger and they'd come a-running. One that had a fleet of chariots second to none. They were wood inlaid with brass. The interior was made out of the best velvet of that day that could be bought. The horses that pulled those chariots were the best bred, the best trotters. They knew how to pull a chariot. Had the best horses could put up on their backs and was well crafted by the men of that day. Ahab had a main palace and a summer palace. And he had musicians that could play the harps of that time. The best musicians that money could get and the best instruments. He had a main palace and a summer palace. The summer palace was the first of its kind. That was ivory inlaid with gold. That was his summer cottage where he went down just to have his vacation. You're talking about a wealthy man. The Rockefellers didn't have nothing. The old Nazis didn't have anything. When it come to old Ahab, that main palace was hewn out of the best stone could be quarried of that day. And you see the pillars of the porch. They were, in, they were made out of granite, well polished. And if you walked into the hallway, there you would see the floors of polished marble. And maybe if you go on into his bedchamber, there you would see in his bedroom the best brass bedsteads well polished you'd ever looked at. And upon that bed, it was the finest satin sheets that could be bought that time. And the covering on that bed was made of the best cloth of that day. And the 
on. They were great splendor and they were held up with rings of silver and rings of gold. And on that floor was the rugs. It was the best woven rugs of that time. And if you was to go on out of his bedroom and was to travel into that great banquet hall, there were those great tables of Jezebel were set arrayed. There you would see those long tables where the prophets of Baal sat and the prophets of the grove, where they had their political meetings, they'd done all their scheming, and they'd done all their activities and their conniving. There's where they had their great social ball. There's where they drank their fine wines and champagnes. There's where they had their great dances and entertained themselves of the world. And if you was to look down those long tables, you would see them arrayed in fine linens. And there you would see the best of China and it engraved with gold. And you'd see the silverware that was well engraved and well carved. And the chandeliers of that day, they sparkled as the crystal glittered and brought in the light. You're talking about a place to be. Ahab, it looked like didn't want for nothing. He had control of everything but the lust of his flesh and the destination of his soul. And the next character I'd like to introduce you to, and it's his wife named Jezebel. There was one that was born a queen's daughter and one that was married to a queen, a king, and never knew anything but royalty all her life. One that never knew what hunger was. One that never knew what poverty was. One that never was made fun of. One that was well liked in her society. And anything she ever wanted she got from a child plumb up to her death. It was nothing that uh, Jezebel could not get because she was in royalty. She was one that from a child up she had the prettiest dresses. Every one of the servants would be to her ever beckoning. She was the king's daughter. No matter what she wanted, she got. And what did it develop in her? That's where you got to be careful today. A lot of things you give children they don't need. You can think, well, I'll give them all they want. But that may be the wrong thing you're doing. I often think of an old message that a preacher preached one time, and he's dead now. He said, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. And there's a lot to that, brother. Sometimes we can get what we want, but we lose what we got. And here's Jezebel as she grows older. She is a center of attraction. Whenever she walks up and down the quarters of the palace, all of them are hollering at Jezebel. She is one that used to have in her way and would go to any extremes to get it. She would kill to get it. She'd do anything to have her way. She was like an adder that sat by the path side. And whenever a victim come by, you'd spew her venom upon him and she struck at them. One that would kill, one that would do anything, hated a man of God or anything about God, was a Baal worshiper. She worshiped her possession and her worldly goods. And we've got people today that worship Baal and don't really know it. If you worship your houses and your cars and your materialistic goods, you become a Baal worshiper because the wood and the stone and the rock and all of those things are of no value to you. The only thing that's value to you in this world is whenever you worship Jesus Christ who is God Almighty. The next character I'd like to introduce you to, his name is Namath. He was a godly man, one that had him a little vineyard down by the summer palace of Ahab. About 40 acres probably. One that worked with his hands until the soil 
one that worked with the sweat of his brow, one that loved God and loved his country and his community, one that never done anybody any wrong, one that was proud of his inheritance and proud of what his forefathers had done. And the next character I'd like to introduce you to, he's not last, he's last but not least, and it's Elijah. One that never slept in the palaces of Ahab. One that never had a summer cottage. One that never slept on satin sheets. One that never sat at the great banquet tables and heard the music of the magicians of Ahab. One that never eat the fine foods of the higher-ups. One that never knew what it was to house sit down at a table, enjoy a good square meal and have communication. One that did not have any children and one did not have a wife. One that was alone in this world but had company with God. One that get out somewhere on a hillside and pray for rain. One that was fed by the crows and drank water out of a creek. And one, the only chariot he ever rode in this world was when he left here in a fiery chariot because he did not go by the way of a grave. But he sailed out here with angels escorting him into heaven. One that stood like a mighty fir tree against the winds of false doctrine. One stood like a giant wall against the vast sea of sin. One that was not scared of nobody when the power of God would move upon him. One of the greatest prophets ever crossed this land was a hero in heaven and a saint here on earth. And now I'd like to take you back to the palace of Ahab as he stepped out one morning, not realizing that this day would not be as other days. And probably today when you got up and started down to this church, this day may not be like every other day to you. It may be a change in your life one way or the other. Because if God touches you tonight and you don't yield to his spirit, the judgments could fall on you or mercy could. I do not know. But you're sitting in the presence of Almighty God. And if he touches is your heart tonight, you'd better run to an altar and pay reverence to him. Ahab stepped out on the porch, motioned for his chariot driver. Chariot driver rolled up and he got into his carriage. Off down the winding highway he went. Had passed. Name was vineyard many times, but had paid no attention to it. A lot of things you pass and you never pay any attention to it in life that's of value to you. It can be a curse or it can be a blessing. But he did not realize this day as he come by. There was something about him when he looked at that garden. He come a desire in his heart that I want it. Used to getting anything he wanted just by asking because he was the king of Israel. So he sold the chariot drivers at Holder a minute there. He stopped. Gets out, walks out into the gar vineyard. Our old Namath was leaning on a hoe. He thought when he walked out there, old Namath would throw down his hoe, grab his kids, and all come a-running. But I won't tell you something tonight. There's some men that won't bend. There's some men that won't bow. This man wasn't bound no king. He knew where he is at. And I won't tell you something tonight. A genuine apostolic Pentecostal preacher, he ain't fixing to bow to this world. He ain't going to bow to no president. Now, I'm not talking about honoring the land. I'm talking about when it comes to crossing the laws of God. He's going to stay in shape. He's going to stand his ground. He said, hello, King Ahab. How are you? He said, I'm doing fine. He said, Namath, I'd like to buy this piece of property from you. He said, King, it ain't for sale. You know, there's some things that ain't for sale. And one thing is when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it shouldn't be for sale for any price. There should no man be able to trade for it. There should no man be able to buy it in this world. It belongs to you and it's your inheritance. God gave 
gave it to you. And it don't belong to anybody else. And he said, I'll swap a piece of land for it. He says, no, king, I can't trade it. God would be angry with me. It happens to be my inheritance. It's handed down from my forefathers on down. And it belongs to me and my family. I will tell you something tonight. You've got a greater inheritance handed down to you through generation to generation. And you don't need to be trading it around out in this world or put it out there for sale. You need to take care of it and keep it and cherish it because one day it will be the only thing that will carry you from this world into the other world. Oh, King Ahab got mad. He wheeled and crawled, run out to his chariot, crawled in, motioned for the driver to head back up the hill. That old driver started whooping that team of horses. Ahab a hollering faster. He is mad, raging, didn't get what he wanted. You take some of these old big men in the world, got money, hand it, give down family to family, ain't never worked in their life. You take her money away from me, ain't a bunch of sissies. Here old Ahab, he didn't give what he wanted. He didn't run up against a man of God, and he couldn't handle him. <laughs> didn't know what to do with him. And that's the way it is a lot of time with God's people. This world can't handle you. All you got to do is trust in God. <laughs> Whenever your God's on your side and you make a stand, you stand your ground. <laughs> that world out there, you're not of this world. You're just in this world. <laughs> and the often finisher, your faith to take care of you. He said, when they come for you, don't even worry about what you're going to say. <laughs> I'll talk for you. I'll tell them what they need to know. I won't tell you something. We need to learn that law of God. Let him do our thinking and our talking, and we'll be a lot better off. He can think faster and quicker than me and you ever thought about thinking. He doesn't know what the enemy's going to do before he ever does it. The only thing we don't get things from God is because we don't trust God. Amen. Sir, we need to walk by faith. You can't do anything about tomorrow anyway. You can't do anything about after church. You walk out in that street, if you, you, can't, you can't control your breath. Your heart quit before you get out that door. But he control your heartbeat. He control your breath. He control that car coming at you. He can move it to the side. He can move it that way. He can keep the enemy off of you. Many of you, on the sound of my voice, God has done so many things for you that's written in heaven that you don't even know about already. That would be miracles if they were written. It would be second to none to the Old Testament. God's healed you many times and you didn't even know you were sick. God's took care of you whenever you was going to die and God went and got you around it. Oh, the enemy ever got there. I won't tell you tonight, we serve a God that knows everything. We serve a God that created heaven and hell. We serve a God that made old Lucifer and all the angels. You need to think he's not running this show. He's running this world in the heavens. And we are the apple of his eye. He loves his children. And his children he's going to look after. I don't care what the world tells you. They can tell you defeat. They can tell you he don't care about you. They can tell you that he's gone. But I'm here to tell you, he's still leaning out over the pearls of heaven. Looking down upon his bride. Looking down upon those who have got their self ready. And he's mindful of your needs. Goes in and jumps out of the chariot. Hops up on the porch. Runs in the bedroom. Falls to bed. Rolls over against the wall and begins to pout. There he lays all sold up. Now here's the king of Israel. 
That's right, I'm talking to you right, brother. Had all these chariots and everything. Here you were laying up there like an old toad. Sold and man. It come about dinner time and Jezebel, she looks at her watch. Table's all set. There sets all the clergy of that day. They control the clergy then. Except old Ahab, I mean except old Elijah and a few of them. But they had them all sitting down at that table. Dinner was set. And she put and paid attention to that clergy, mister. They were her prophets, sat around her table. She told them when to get up and sit down. She looked down that watch and said, it's two minutes after 12. I wonder where in the world Ahab's at. Where in the world is he at right now? It's dinner time and the taters are getting cold. My guest is getting restless. I'll just go get him myself. She storms up there and walks into the bedroom. Ahab, what in the world are you doing laying up there in that bed? And he began to relate to her what happened down in the, in the nameless vineyard. He began to tell her how he wanted it and he couldn't get it. She said, you mean to tell me, Ahab, that you have one of the armies second to none and you rule one of the greatest nations in the world and you've got servants out there that can ever to any hour of the night you can beckon to them and they'll come a running and you call them musicians anytime you want to hear a little music and said you've got the best fleet of chariots out there to ride in and chariot drivers and when you get ready to travel and you can't take that little old dirt farmers a piece of land down there she said you just let me take care of it and she went back and took his ring which I think she carried in her pocket anyway and she went and stamped that old envelope and sent a letter down to Jezreel and says you take Namath and set him up on high and then you bring out two false accusers and accuse him of blasphemy against God and the king and then you kill him and this they done and they brought word back to Jezebel and she went back into the bedroom there where old Ahab was laying she said Ahab she said uh, Namath is dead and said the vineyard is yours I could see him, he laid there, you know, and she stormed out because she couldn't stand to look at him and he couldn't stand to look at her. Whenever you see a man ain't got no backbone and no spine, and when you see a woman that's a running the show, they can't stand each other because it's just in a woman to want to be under subjection. That's just nature. And it's just in a man to want to be over the woman because that's the way God designed it. I didn't write the book and I didn't set the law. But I won't tell you something. We're living in a society where, man, where the humanity does not know a woman from a man. But the animals has got more sense than humanity. You don't see no hen crowing and you don't see no rooster cackling. I won't tell you the animals has got more sense than humanity. You don't see no male lion out there with his neck clear. You still see the mange on him. The roosters hadn't changed since way back yonder and neither has the animals. But you walk down the streets of a city now and you can't tell a boy from a girl. But I won't tell you something tonight. God don't like femininity. He like for a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. He wants you to be where you belong. He set man and woman up in a perfect family and he set the church out to the family and that's the way he intends for it to be and I can't change it and you can't change it. That's got nothing to do about one being overbearing to the other. There ain't nothing any more beautiful than a woman in her place in a home taking care of those children, loving them, taking them to school, husband coming in, having a good meal on the table, sitting down as a family. That's the way that God made the church, just like a family. But man has messed up that divine plan. God didn't do it. 
But here old Ahab laying up there didn't have enough backbone to say, Jezebel, what did you do? He just kind of laid there a little while. He knew she was out of the room. Grin kind of crossed his face. You know, that old flesh is feeling good. He knew he got what he wanted. He rolled out of that bed, went over to that wash basin and washed them old puffed up eyes. Walked over to that mirror and probably put on his old robe. Slicked that hair back and he couldn't hardly look in the mirror because he couldn't stand to see himself. He just ducked his head and comb his hair. You ever see a man that couldn't look in the eye? You ever seen one he can't look at himself nine times out of ten? He gets looking at the mirror and he see what he really is. A lot of people don't know, know what they are. They just want somebody to tell them how good they are. But you really won't know what you are. Every morning take a good look at yourself in the mirror and you stand there and study your features and you study your eyes. It'll tell you more than you think it'll tell you. You'll either like yourself or you'll hate yourself. And somebody told me one time, said, Brother Moody, said, you know you like yourself. I said, the Bible says I'm supposed to. I said, I ain't supposed to hate myself. If I don't like myself, I won't like nobody. There's not one of you in here that hadn't rather go to my funeral than yours. We all love ourselves. I'm not talking about in pride. I'm talking about we love this body. We take care of it. Wash it and clean it up. Yep. Get the Holy Ghost inside. It'll put a wash rag in your hand, soap on your hand, won't it? Sir, you don't even have to use that old deodorant for it to substitute either. A lot of people use right guard instead of palm olive soap. Right guard's higher than palm olive soap. That's right. I'm just telling you something. We're all mixed up. The only thing ever straightened us out is God. We don't know our left hand from our right. We don't even hardly know how to get in from work. We get there, we don't know what to do. This world is so confused, and the devil's author of confusion. God's not. Man messed it up. God didn't. Ever since man gained knowledge out of the tree of knowledge, he ain't done nothing with his knowledge but foul up this world. He'd been better off. He'd never got it. Sir. Yes, sir. Better get back to old Ahab here. I don't get on that. Old Ahab got that hair slicked back. Had a little kind of dance in his feet. Boy, he's whistling a little tune. Man, he's thinking about that little parcel of land. That old flesh was satisfied. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. Your flesh may be satisfied. But if the Spirit of God ever touches you, you will never be the same again. And tonight, if God touches you, you ain't never going to be the same. He's going to find you where you're at. I'm going to try to show you tonight that God has got zeroed in on you. When you stepped in here tonight in the presence of Almighty God, you come before the greatest force you have ever known. He's going to do one thing or the other to you tonight. He's going to be your enemy. He's going to be your friend. You're going to walk out that door on God or you're going to walk up the front to God. It's one or the other. He don't play no games. He ain't no compromiser. It ain't but one thing with God. You're either right and wrong. You spit white and act 
right. Or you do what he said. It's yea and nay. It ain't I guess so or I think so. And it ain't what I say. It ain't my personal conviction. But it's what thus saith the word of God. It ain't what I think about what I ought to do. But what God said we ought to do. And God said you had to repent of your sin. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sin. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. Or you'll not have any part with him. Yes, sir, he rolls out on the porch. He motions that chariot driver, and he's sitting on dead ready. He's been waiting three hours for him to come out of there. He's just like an old squirrel dog waiting on a squirrel to come out of holler log, you know. He knows if he ain't right there when that old king comes out, he's had it. Boy, he's sitting there just ready, and when that door opens, and old king Ahab steps out on that porch, he scampers across there like a fox squirrel. He said, hold it there, servant. You don't have to be in no hurry today. He said, just go over there and get the chariot and be real easy. I want you to drive real slow today. I'm feeling good. Not knowing what was going to take place that day. Had no idea what was going on in heaven. And today you may be contented in your flesh, but you don't know what's going on up there in heaven. You don't know what's taking place in that great God that I'm talking to you about tonight. You don't know how he's bidding for your soul tonight. You don't know what all he's going to do to try to reach you tonight. But old Ahab, whenever he got in that chariot, he started whistling a little tune off down the winding highway he went. When he come down there next to the vineyard, he said, hold it there, chariot driver. Stepped out of the chariot. Walked out in there, there was those rows just perfect. Wasn't a sprig of grass in that little vineyard. It wasn't a weed there. He stepped out there and probably looked over there and seen that bench on that cherry tree where Namath and his family had sat in the shade and rested many times. There hung an old gourd dipper where he took him a good cool drink of water, him and his family. There's a little old altar over here where they prayed daily. And here set the pruning shares and the holes all in their place. But this old wicked king, it was so selfish, it knew nothing of God, had no mercy. It did not enter his mind one thing what had ever happened in that garden. The many prayers had been prayed on them, the little trees that helped keep the vengeance of God off of Israel down there. And I'll tell you something tonight, if it wasn't for prayers of saints of God, this world would be in a lot worse shape than what it was. You know what's holding back the judgments of God? It's these little oneness they call holy rollers down on their knees somewhere, hollering, Lord, just wait a little longer. Let one more get in. Dear Lord God, get my sister in. Get my brother in. Dear Lord, don't come right now. I'll tell you who's a holding this world together. It happens to be the Pentecostals that, are the, that knows Jesus Christ and the reality of the Holy Ghost and knows his identity. They're the ones that's the strongholds in this world. It's not Ronald Reagan is straightening this world out. And it's not no Queen of Britain. I'll tell you who's straightening this world out. It's them prayers that keep bombarding heaven. It keeps calling on God. Lord, give us a little peace. Lord, give us victory. Lord, ever president, Lord, ever nation, those that obey the law, those that pay their debts, and those that are great something to society, those that educate their children, those that bring their children up to obey the law of the land, those that bring their children up in the church that can pray. That's what's holding this world together. But it never entered that old king's mind because that greedy lust of his flesh Reached down, got him some of that good rich dirt. It began to run between his fingers. He thought, well, put me some cucumbers over here. 
Put me some cantaloupes there, watermelons there. I'll feed my servants with this. Over here, he said, I'll put some garlic and some leek. Over here, I'll put some radishes. Over here, I'll put some cabbages. Over here, I'll put some sweet corn. He began to lay it all out, figuring out everything he's going to do in that garden. Well, I won't tell you something tonight. You need to be figuring out what you're going to do with your life because you don't know what tomorrow holds, and neither did he. And about the time you think you got it figured out, you're fixing to be big disappointment. You better let Jesus figure out your life. You better let him lay out your plans. He's the greatest architect that was ever known to humanity. He's the one that built the world without a blueprint. He's the one that went and built the world and didn't have to have no designer. All he done was just raised up one day and spoke this world into existence. That's the one that ought to be mapping your life out. He don't make no mistakes and he don't do nothing wrong. He knows what tomorrow holds. He knows what you're going to come up against and he knows what you can handle and what you need. <laughs> As he is standing there meditating, suddenly out from nowhere there was a voice that sounded like thunder and it pierced his heart like lightning. And he says, Ahab, for thou hast killed and taken possession and have shed innocent blood so the dogs will lick even thine. And he said, you know those children of yours? He said, the Lord's going to kill every one of them. He's going to cut off all your posterity. And he said, you know those children that are in the city? He said, the dogs are going to eat all the flesh off their bones. And he said, you know those that are out in the field? He said, the buzzards are going to pick them just as clean as they can pick them. Did you know that wife of yours that stirred you up continually? One that went and killed my prophets? Said she's going to die by the walls of Jezreel. And said the dogs are going to eat the flesh from her bones. And the Bible says that old Ahab began to walk softly before the Lord. And he said he put on sackcloth and began to fast. Now I'm going to show you something right here if you'll hang on a minute. He went, here's an old heathen king that God despised. Here was one that done nothing but wrong. But you know what the Lord told Elijah? He said, you go back and tell Ahab because he humbled himself before me that I'll not let it happen in his day. And when I was reading that scripture one time, that told me something. We may run the aisles and shout to the top of our voice, but if you've got sin down in your life, brother, you can shout the victory all you want to, but one day he'll find you where you at. Hey, but one thing you can do if you've got anything in your heart, you better get it out. I don't care if you've been in a church 25 years. You have to repent of your sin. You can't rake them under a rug and forget them. I've seen churches where brothers and sisters walk in the church and one that walked down this aisle and one walked down that because they didn't want to meet. And when they get to the door, they shake each other's hand. I won't tell you something that won't get it. If you can't love them on earth who you've seen, how can you love the one in heaven whom you haven't seen? It says love your enemies and pray for them and despitefully use you. And whatever you got in your heart, one day that all-seeing eye will find it and bring you to judgment with the word of God and he'll find you and you'll be his enemy. You can wear your clothes to your dresses. Skirts go plumb out to that sidewalk and your sleeves can go down to you can't scratch yourself when you itch and your collar can come up around your ears and your hair can be stacked so high that I can't see over it. But if you got something in your heart against somebody and you've done something 15 years ago and you come and run these aisles and shout and magnify God and God may bless you, but somewhere in your life, he's going to find you where you at. Somewhere you're going to make that right. 
You're going to make it right to God. You may fool man, but you can't fool God. He'll find you where you at. And when He finds you in judgment, mercy will have already passed. And when judgment sets on you, you'll wonder what in the world happened. I used to run the aisles. I used to shout the victory. I used to sing the songs of Zion. But now I sit on the pew. I can't feel nothing. I'll tell you why you can't feel nothing. God's Spirit won't always strive with man. And that ought you had in your heart against your sister or that you had against your brother that you wouldn't make it right. You wouldn't played with God too long. And now you're turned over to a reprobate mind. And you're going to be a evil lion be down forever because His Spirit has withdrawn from you and judgment has come to you. And there you sit all alone. God's Spirit can't deal with you anymore. He's through with you. God's not playing. We think because we prosper and we get by in this world and live good in this day and time and God don't deal with us severely that we can do Him any way we want to. But I'm here to tell you if He'll show mercy to a heathen king and throw on the death of his progeny and his wife just because he obeyed enough of his word just to humble himself and fast. You know why he blesses a lot of people in Pentecost? Because they obey the word of God. It's not because they are righteous. It's not because they're good. It's because they just do according to the word of God. That's just like the law of paying your tithes. It'll work for a sinner just like it'll work for a saint because God said it would. You know what God God says that's what will happen. You can't outdo God. You can't outguess God. You can't outgive God. There's no way you can get around God. There will be nobody ever stand in judgment and say I've done something more than you, God. You wouldn't. You wouldn't unfair to me, or you wouldn't place judgment on me, and it wasn't against someone else. It will be right, and it will be equal, and it will be fair. been about three years since it had war with Syria. Old Ahab, he'd probably done forgot about really maybe what Elijah had said. So he sent for the king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat. He said for him to come down there and a big feast. He said, let's go up. Let's take Syria, Ramoth Gilead. Belongs to us anyway. He said, okay, I'll go with you, King Ahab. My horses be your horses. My soldiers be your soldiers. So they got ready to go to war. But somehow, Ahab, when he got ready to go into combat, he hadn't forgot the judgments of God. Somewhere in the back of his mind, there was some fear came in there. That's like I said, if God ever touches you, you'll never forget it. If he ever touches you one time, you may live and go to hell, but you'll never forget the touch of the master's hand. Anybody that's great and powerful that God ever touches you one time, you'll know it and you'll remember it. But here old Ahab was, he says, you put on your robes. He said, I'm going to disguise myself. I don't care how much you hide behind Pentecost. I don't care how much you hide behind clothes. I don't care how much you hide behind good deeds. Whatever in your heart's going to come out. 
Hallelujah. You can't hide from God. And neither could old Ahab. And whatever they got ready to go to combat, the orders had come from the Syrian king. He told the 32 captains of the host of the chariots, he said, I want you to kill none, great or small, except the king of Israel. The judgments of God was a fallen. It was getting ready for payday for him. He had found him as his enemy. And whenever they swung out to combat, this era, the, the, the soldiers went and gathered in to upon old King Jehoshaphat. He began to wave his arms and holler, and they seen who he was, and they turned back. But there was an unknown soldier. His name's not recorded in the Bible that reached back in God. God's going to judge you one day just like that and His Word's going to be sharper than any two-edged sword and it's going to pierce your heart with the judgment of God and it will come from through your heart and reveal everything you've ever done in this life. And that arrow went on its flight. Drove right through the joints of his harness. Right through his old wicked heart. Slumped over in the chariot and told him he was wounded. It was a proclamation of that day of going down of the sun. Every man back to his city and every man back to his country. And he died at even time. And as ever they went in to bury him in Syria, there they washed his chariot and the bloods. Dogs licked the blood of Ahab. It had become payday for Ahab. God had found him and had judged him according to his word. And you're either going to be in heaven or hell. You're not going someplace and you're on a journey. God's going to judge you one day. And he's going to judge you far greater judgment than Ahab got that day. Because if that judgment falls on you, you're not just going to die of this flesh. You're going to die eternally in hell. And when he sets up that big white throne of judgment, and it comes your time to fall in line, and you have not heeded to the voice of God, there's going to be a line probably as long as from California to New York. I don't know. This is not in the Bible. It's just my imagination. But I've often thought the rebellious people of this world, whenever he lines them up in that long line to come before judgment, they won't whimper and bawl and be impatient. They'll stand right there if he wants them to stand one year on two feet and never move a muscle. You may be rebellious in this life, and you ain't going to do what Mama says, and you ain't going to do what Daddy says. You ain't going to do what nobody tells you, but I won't tell you something tonight. When you fall in the line of judgment of God, he's standing out there on the other end, and when he tells you to stand there, you stand there till your body aches. And you'll move about one inch one day, maybe. You may move ten feet the next day. And you may look away ahead of you wondering what's going to happen, but down deep in your heart you know when you come before the judgments of God what your story's going to be. Because judgment's done, mercy done past you. It passed you that night down there in an apostolic church in Hutchinson, Kansas. You had your chance to come to God but you will not humble yourself before God and now here you stand in the long line of judgment and slowly you begin to come in toward the king and you begin to advance closer to the judge and you begin to hear the screams and the cries and you can't see him and you begin to hear oh I don't want to go there oh please God have mercy but you know down deep in your mind that you've already judgment 
set on you, but you think maybe there is some hope, just some little hope, and you sit and you wait and you hear them wail and you hear them cry and you hear them beg, and then you move on another day and you move on another day. But I'll tell you that time you will obey the master that day. There sits one and don't have to have attorney. There sits one and don't have to have no jury. There one that sat and is going to judge you that knows everything you ever done. On you move. Directly you can see out in front of you the end of the line. You're thinking, oh, because of who I am, I went to church some. I wasn't a bad man or woman. I read my Bible once in a while. Surely that great God that they talk about being so merciful, that one that they said all I had to do just come and shake his hand and preacher's hand, I'd be all right. I didn't listen to that preacher that night whenever he told me I had to repent of my sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you here tonight, if you're lost and undone without God, I'm not going to stand before the God in judgment that I didn't tell you the truth. I'm telling you tonight what you've got to do to be saved. And if you've never done that, you're going to be lost. And you're going to stand before that great judge that day. And when he looks down into your heart, he's going to reveal everything you've ever done. And you're going to be standing there without excuse. And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And when you tumble out of time into eternity and on down to a burning hell, this message will echo in your ear. Why didn't I come to God that night? He found me in judgment instead of mercy. But mercy tonight is reaching out for you. He's going to lean out all the portals of heaven. And the angels are leaning just as far as they can. Saying, come unto me, you're heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. But you're going to have to make the choice. The altars is open. It'll either be mercy today or judgment tomorrow. And they're burying them today just every time the clock ticks. They sat right where you did. Thought, well, I won't tonight. But the death angel met them before they got home. And they passed on out of time into eternity. But here's an altar here you can come to. Walk down here and begin to talk to God. He's not a stranger. He's not going to bite you. He's not going to jump on you. All he's going to do when you come down to this altar, you begin to pour your heart out to him. He's going to have compassion on you and he's going to have love. He's going to understand your thoughts. He's going to understand your needs. He's going to be there to try to help you in every way you can. But there's certain laws he wrote in this word of God. No man cometh to me except he be drawn by my spirit. If you think God's going to pick you up some of these days and throw you down to the altar, you're wrong. The only way you're ever going to come to God is that spirit's going to touch you and that gentle voice talk to you and plead with you. And you'll get up out of that seat and walk down there yourself. There ain't nobody can write your name in a lamb book of life. Your mother can't save you and your daddy can't save you. Can't no priest save you and can't no pastor save you. The only way you're going to be saved from this unborn generation is get up out of your seat and walk down and fall at the feet of Jesus and pour your heart out and repent of all those sins that you've done in this world. He's waiting on you. He don't want judgment to fall on you. Mercy is reaching out tonight. Won't you come? Won't you come on down? It's not worth it.
Wouldn't it be awful? You down in hell, and you was just in 40 feet of heaven. What if you died tonight, passed on into hell, and youth memory come back to you? Said it looked like a long ways down there to that altar. But I was only 40 feet. I could have been into heaven. But I chose to go out that back door. Now I'm in hell. There you are down in those flames turning over and over. Those flames is lapping up at you. And there's all the demons of hell laughing at you how big a fool you was. Because you would not heed to the voice of God. As God pleaded with you that night and he begged you to come down to an altar. He begged you to come down and let him talk with you. But no, you love this world more than you love God. You love the things out in that world more than you love God. So you turned down Jesus Christ and you walked out in that world to worship the God that you had worshipped when you come in here. And now here you are in hell with the God you served on this earth and you bypassed the greatest investment you could ever make when you could come down to an altar and repent of your sins and have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's waiting on you. He said, I've got your name. My hand's just ready to write. Won't you come on? He said, I've been waiting a long time get to put your name in this book. He said, I've called you many times, but you wouldn't listen to me. He said, I've been reaching down for you and I've been begging you to come to me. I knew you was in trouble and I knew you had heartaches. I reached for you, but you would not listen to me. I'm ready to write your name in that book where you'll live forever. Won't you come? Won't you come? Don't let Satan take you out the door. Don't let Satan take you to hell. Satan ain't never done nothing for you but give you trouble. He ain't never been good to you. He's brought you heartache. He's tore your homes up. He's turned you against your family. He's done everything in this world wrong. But the man from Galilee has never done nothing wrong to you. All he asks you tonight is just come and pray to him that he might give you rest. Won't you come? Won't you come? Don't listen to the voice of Satan. Why don't you listen to Jesus? You'll never regret that investment. Paul will tell you something. He can make something out of you you ain't never been made. Oh, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, I do. I remember when I was 30 years old, I was nothing in this world. They told me it wasn't nothing to the Holy Ghost. They told me it wasn't nothing to Jesus' name, baptism. But one day he touched me on a pew and brought me down to an altar. And I repented of my sin. And he gave me the greatest gift that I had ever received in my life. He made something out of me in society. He took the liquor away from me. He took cigarettes away from me. He took cussing away from me. He made a family for me and gave me a place in life never let me down. Won't you come? Won't you come? Don't go to hell. It's not worth it. Hell's burning forever. Those flames are 70 times hotter than fire. 
It's a smoldering lake. Where you go in there, you can't get out. There is no clock in heaven. Time is no more. The months don't pass and the clock don't tick. There you are forever and ever. You never get any rest. You never get away from that heat. You never get away from that torment. It's just hour after hour after hour. Your flesh burns and it almost falls over your body. Your brain is fine. Your eyeballs are melting. Your blood is revolving in your veins. You're begging for mercy. But mercy left you that night sitting in that church down there and Satan taking you to hell. He's waiting on you. Won't you come? He's doing everything he can to save your soul tonight. He's doing everything he can to give you deliverance. He knows what tomorrow holds. I can't quit right now. God wants you. God wants you to come in the ark of safety. He don't want you to be lost. Don't pass him by. Don't pass the man by. He's waiting on you. You'll never be sorry that you came and kneeled and raised your hands to the greatest king. One that won't lie to you. One that won't tell your secrets. One that never will do you any wrong. One that'll just be good to you. One that'll be kind. One will be your mother to you. Or he'll be your daddy. He'll be your friend when the world all turns on you. He'll give you a job when it don't look like you can get one. Won't you come? I'm going to quit when the spirit lifts. But he's pleading for you tonight. You're going to have to walk over Jesus to go to hell. It's going to be recorded in the diary of heaven that you got up and walked over Jesus Christ and went out into this world. You bypassed the greatest plan of salvation was ever given to you. You walked over Calvary and you said, Jesus, I want no part of it. I'd rather go on my way and live in sin. I'd rather go on out that door and live the way I've been living. In torment. Sad, lonely. Than just to walk 40 feet and be in your presence and be happy forever. Won't you come? One more. It may be one day too late for you. You may never come in contact with God again. He come to blind Bartimaeus one time. He walked with a woman the issue of blood just one time. He came to Zacchaeus just one time. And he may be walking down the aisles of your heart just one time. You may never have a desire to come and sit in his presence again as long as you live. You may walk out the door. And that one that has talked to you and led you through this life carry you on down with the demons of hell escort you on into a hell to burn forever.
was trying to blame all my years on this world I was in. Surface relationships used me till I was done And all of the while someone was begging to free me from sin. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Oh, 
Uh-huh.